Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dragon Talk. So excited for this, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast to begin. I'm Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Shelley Mazzanoble. Yes, yes, you are. As always. And I am just so excited. So excited to be here. Exactly. We've got a wonderful episode coming for you. We're speaking to Eddie Cooper, an actor and podcaster uh, that is just doing tons of great stuff. We can't wait to hear from him. Uh, We'll definitely have a lot to share about uh, in the acting scene in New York City, as well as uh, his love of Dungeons & Dragons. So we will get on that soon. Um, And then we've got a great segment uh, with Adam Lee doing some lore that you should know. But today, the big news is uh-huh. some lore you should know about for Candlekeep Mysteries. Yay! Oh, we can finally talk about it. It is our first Dungeons & Dragons release of 2021. It will be available everywhere on March 16th. It's got tons of short adventures that you can drop into any campaign, uh, but they all have a through line of... Uh, centered around a book that you can find in the library fortress of Candlekeep. Many of the adventures were written by, you know, D&D veterans, but also a lot of newcomers to writing adventures for D&D. Yes. And Chris Perkins, uh, who you all know and love, uh, was really taking that, uh, you know, teaching role that he had uh, back in the day and reaching back to his 90s uh, history where he was a short adventure writer for uh, the magazines Dragon and Dungeon. Uh, and, you know, 25, 35 years later here, he's able to give more of his insight uh, to another generation of RPG writers here in <sighs> Kenneth Key Mysteries. And it's been really great. I love this so much. You know, these are the types of stories that just warm my little heart but thought of chris perkins being that new like it's hard to imagine a time when he wasn't the lead story designer for dungeons and dragons but there was there was a time when like little chris was like submitting adventures to dragon magazine or dungeon magazine and getting encouraging rejections and you know (laughs) keep trying keep trying and then he he got his big break and then somebody mentored him and he, the way and he you know he talks about this too when we've asked him about working with all of these writers is that he wanted to do that you know for for writers in the community and be in that position where he can give people their big break and their opportunity to work on an official d and d project and also help mentor them along so it's a it's a very familiar list of of authors there's some names that are are new to even me and um I'm very excited to read their work and learn more about these people and and celebrate them. And I I, I see a lot of Dragon Talk interviews in the future to come with this book. Yeah, yeah. yeah Along I'm with really some, really yeah, excited. Dragon Talk interviewees uh, in the past in here, including Mark Humes, yeah. uh, uh, Amy Vorpal, Graham Barber, Jan Kretschmer, uh, Graham Barber. We've talked to before. Absolutely, Kelly Lynn uh, D'Angelo. Uh, Hannah Rose, uh, yes. all folks, uh, Daniel you know, Kwan, uh, Deanna Kwan. Shaw. Actually, there's a lot of Dragon yeah. Talk alumni on here. That's amazing. I, I almost would 
say it's because of Dragon Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we can take that credit. Yeah, I think I so. Mean, Yes. Not at all. Uh, Chris Chris claims he did a lot of research. He, you know, was looking through the DMs Guild at, at people's previous work. He was asking, you know, word of mouth, like who people were excited about with up and coming um, designers. I'm pretty sure he probably just was listening to, to Dragon Talk. Over the last few years, yeah, he yeah. must have been. Uh, so that's exciting. These adventures are short. You know, we I, I want to underline that because it is easy to be able to drop these into any campaign. You know, the idea is that these would be one shots or uh, you know short uh, tidbits that you can tell in storytelling uh, throughout your uh, campaign. There's guidelines for uh, bringing those in as well as, um, you know, setting them whole cloth within Candlekeep uh, in the Forgotten Realms uh, as well as some background information on Candlekeep itself, uh, which I believe yes. put together by Chris Lindsay, right? Mr. Chris Lindsay, yes. Uh, I was just talking to him about that today. He got to write that section um, about Candlekeep and I think that was pretty damn cool it is cool indeed so. um so looking forward to that there's two covers that will be available a standard cover and an alternate cover uh i just uh learned that the alternate cover and i'm gonna get the uh credit here from who who did the illustration of that in a second but it's made to model what a tome in candle keep may look like which i found oh, that's really, really cool. fascinating uh and I can't wait. And there's also a great piece of artwork of the bird's eye view of what Candlekeep looks like, uh, which is very exciting uh, for all. Very nice. Birds get the best views. <laughs> they really it's do. It's really not fair. They yeah. also make the best uh, frozen vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Are the two related somehow? Yes, I they wonder. can scan all the good crops from above and they're like, you know what? That's where I'm going to get my frozen peas. <laughs> That's what I like it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be having a lot more information anyway. about all of these adventures, uh, previewing them for folks as we lead up to March 16th. Um, some information on the covers. The standard is by Clint Searley, uh, and the alternate cover is by Simon Meyer. Uh, also two new artists, as far as I'm concerned, to the uh, covers of Dungeons & Dragons. So exciting to see that. Yes. And there's a lot of new artists, I think, um, in the book, too. So it's just like a, a great uh, discovery of new talent and yeah. fun adventures. And um, those adventures, if you're wondering, are for levels one all the way up to 16. So there's a lot of really good variety in there. Right. Um, and you may have heard some of the details of the adventures in the uh, coverage from the last few days, but uh, there's really exciting stuff happening in them, and they're all mysteries. That's something we really wanted to hammer home as well. They all have like a little bit of something, something you got to uh, uncover throughout playing uh, these adventures in a short time. And it was a it was a challenge to be able to put that much information for uh, the Dungeon Master to play in, you know, 10, 15 pages worth uh, for each of these adventures. So really, really great stuff. Well, I know someone who knows a little bit about writing mysteries. His name is Greg Tito. That's me. He wrote a short story that you can still find um, in uh, Dragon Plus. So if you haven't read that yet, you definitely should. 
Definitely. Yeah, it's set in Icewind Dale. And I'll say it's a lot easier, even though it was difficult to write a mystery, it's a lot easier to write a mystery when you know the protagonist and you've got someone who can figure things out uh, as they're happening. But what's interesting about talking to the writers of Four Candlekeep Mysteries is that it's really also a totally, you know, got to wrap your mind around writing a mystery when you don't have any protagonists or in mind. Like it has to be yeah. any D&D party or anything that a, uh, a player character can choose to do. And as we know, they often do things we don't predict. Right. Right, Shelley? Yeah. So being able to write for that uh, was it also a distinct challenge with this. Uh, and I think they pulled it off wonderfully. Well, I'm excited to talk to some of those writers uh, in more detail about that because that is fascinating. How do you fascinating, do that? Fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. uh, while we delve into all of the fun stuff around uh, Candlekeep Mysteries over the next few weeks, we want to delve into some fun stuff in some lore you should know with Adam Lee. Let's, uh, let's give a listen, shall we? Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and today I'm joined by Mr. Adam Lee. Hi, Adam. Hello. This is the segment where we dive into a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons lore for your edification and entertainment, but also perhaps for use in your game. And today we are going to talk around the lore behind some of the group patrons that appear in Tosh's Cauldron of Everything. There's a lot of wonderful stuff in that book. Um, yeah. And I particularly love this feature because it gives a great framework for giving uh, or providing resources to your players. Um, and the worlds of Dungeons and Dragons, as well as your homebrew, have tons of ways for you to use these uh, for storytelling possibilities. And so uh, I thought it'd be fun for me and Adam to go through some of them. What do you think about that, Adam? <clears throat> I think that is awesome and excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, um, no, this is a really fun section of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and it has everything in it, literally. Um, but this is a really cool section because, like, if you have a DM, like, when I grew up, I had a DM that made everybody calculate each gold piece, platinum piece, copper piece, down to the, you know, right down to it. So we had to fight for every little bit. But if, if you're a DM that is sort of doesn't want to deal with that stuff, wants to kind of hand wave it, and also wants a great way to kick off an adventure or a campaign, the group patrons are like the one-two punch. It, it not only takes away all the sort of logistical problems that a party can have, like, I don't have enough money to buy my armor. We, we want to get from... Waterdeep to Neverwinter, but you know it, it, we don't have the money for a, a rent a horse, um, all that stuff. Plus, um, how do you even kick off the campaign? It's like, well, we met in the tavern. Why are we here? What do we do? Do we know mm-hmm. each other? A group patron is a great way to just say, this is why we're all here. And then that patron then says, we're going to take care of money. We're going to take care of transportation. We're going to take care of why you're doing this. And uh, so it galvanizes the whole thing together and just kicks it off with a bang. So, um, so that's great. That. And then it's up to you, the DM, to choose sort of what uh, manner of uh, group patron that the party is dealing with. So in this case, uh, Tasha's gives you a bunch of awesome basic 
generic starting points. Like you can have an academy approach you or one of the party members could be a member of an academy and say, um, you know, my, my particular wizardly uh, academy is, is looking for unique monsters to collect and bring back to the academy to study. Like it's, or maybe the academy is like the Smithsonian. It's like, we want rare gems and rocks or we want bones of ancient monsters that have been, you know, buried in the, in the sand or however, you know, you want to say that. Um, you could have uh, uh, an academy that wants old ancient scrolls and sends you off into like a ruined temple, legendary temple. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something like, you know, like Candlekeep is a great place for like an academy. Um, you could also use a place like the Arcane Brotherhood that, you know, a, a band of, you know, rough and tumble character wizards that are up in Luskin and that they, um, they, you know, are looking for a ghost ship that sank and had some ancient arcane uh, scroll on board or a wizard that had a magic item that's been lost. Yeah, so, I actually um, ended up using uh, that for my frostbaiting campaign with right. my daughters uh, and exactly that. I, I used the Arcane Brotherhood as a great <laughs> introduction and I used the Academy Group Patron as a way for kicking off the adventure so that they traveled from Luskin to uh, Bryn Shander in the Icewind Dale to search after the four who had gone before them from the Arcane oh, Brotherhood. Wow, cool. uh, yeah. And it worked out it worked out wonderful. And then we were able to fill in um, other players who joined the campaign later as just yeah. other members of the Arcane Brotherhood who are, are also uh, doing the exact same thing. And it, it, it helped out a lot. Um, and you also were mentioned Candlekeep could be a great uh, academy uh, perhaps as well. Yeah, yeah. The neat thing about Candlekeep is, yeah, there's all kinds of stories that have gone on in there. So you could, you know, they could send you off to collect a book, a rare book that um, you know hasn't appeared for centuries, or that is, you know, rumored to have been, you know, used by some, you know, queen down, you know, far down in the southern part of the Sword Coast. Uh, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of fun now- things. Um, you now can also just b- before we move on from there, oh. I just want to make sure everyone knows Candlekeep Mysteries uh, oh, yeah. is coming out on March 16th. <laughs> and so it, you'd be even uh, more equipped to use that as perhaps your group patron, maybe using one of those adventures as an introductory part of um, your campaign. And then it's a jumping off point. And so you can tell any stories you want after that using uh, Candlekeep as an academy, uh, you know, throughout. Um, so it's uh, you know I feel like that's even more available for for dungeon masters who want to use the tools uh, that are in our more recent books here. Yeah, yeah, something like Candlekeep, uh, Candlekeep Adventures is um, that's just such. I'm so excited for that product because it's it's got a little bit of everything, and it's also you know kind of setting Candlekeep as how you can use uh, a place like Candlekeep. Um, to tell pretty much infinite stories. And it's, it's a great launching off, and, and it's full of awesome ideas um, of how to, to launch off a story you know, that's set within a library. Um, and then I'm sure when people play through you know, five or six of those stories, they're going to get ideas for, okay, let's say um, you know, I go to like, some place like the Host Tower of the Arcane, or mm-hmm. um, maybe I go to... Um, a, a library, like I infiltrate into Thay and I go into one of the libraries of the Red Wizards or, um, you know, something like that where it's like, oh, now I, I get how these things can work and I get all the different ways you can loop in, um, you know, just 
how to kick off a story in the most crazy, you know, strange way. You know, it's like yeah. it all starts with a book, and then and then from there, just you know, you go on to it do belongs whatever. Belongs in a museum. You can really yeah. do that whole like uh, <laughs> yeah. relic finder, mm-hmm. uh, treasure hunter by using the academy as well. Uh, yeah, that's, that's great. Now, ancient being is is another example patron that is in uh, Tasha's cauldron of everything, um, and you know, there's there's tons of ancient beings in Dungeons and Dragons oh gosh, lore. Yeah. Um, but what are some that you might have thought of, Adam, that could be used as a patron for uh, any type of story that's out there? Yeah, I mean, I just you know I I recently wrote an article just about you know different ways of using monsters, and and one of the things that you know kind of popped up was the the spell speak with dead and the idea that you can cast um speak with dead on a on a corpse and have it you know rise up and tell you something it could tell you you know a quest and give it give you a a way to kind of operate that way or lead you to something that then connects you to an even more ancient being um, but you know Laryl Silverhand is an ancient being and uh you know mm. she could certainly uh, you know, have plenty of things for characters to do in the Sword Coast. Um, you could get approached by, like, speaking of Thay, you could get approached by one of the Zulkirs of Thay, um, uh, especially like Zaz Tam, who's an, a lich and an ancient being, and, you know, could try to tempt you into, like, doing something for them. Um, you could also be approached by one of the High Elves, and that, you know, is, is you know, has some, you know, possible you know uh mission for you to accomplish or that you've got to stop an evil that is that is uh, you know kind of encroaching on one of their sacred sites um or it could be you know uh you know a, a warlock's patron that then contacts them and says hey you know I, I need i need you to do something for me this way and, and uh you know i have you know areas on the on the plane that um, where you can get your uh, information or you can get clues or hints or even like caches of treasure where it kind of can you know keep fueling the the party's endeavors so um yeah, yeah i like the uh um other planar beings you know whether it's mm-hmm. a fiend or a celestial being uh one of these ancient beings that you are dedicated to or the party is dedicated to um you know that just immediately you have like an idea of what the cosmology of mm-hmm. of your world is by ha- bringing them in there and i feel like that's a great way to add storytelling while also giving benefits to your players yeah like using um a being like a celestial like a solar or a planetar um, traditionally, celestials are kind of in sort of a look, like observe and report mode. Um, they're kind of the Star Trek Prime Directive in, in some ways, where they're just yeah. they're observing the material plane and they're you know writing down sort of what people are doing and how how things are evolving. Um, but you know, a solar might come to you and in in to the party and say, look, there's there's something that the celestial sort of hierarchy wants you to, to take care of, or there is a portal that is open and you need to close it because if it doesn't get closed, then it's going to tip the balance between good and evil. Um, or they might send you like, you know, sort of the, the theme of, um, you know, descent into Avernus, which was like, there's an imbalance in the blood war mm. and we need you to go down into the infernal realms and figure out a way to stop something, you know, like to defeat a, 
a demon or to, you know, clothe, like, you know, get a magic item out of the hands of evil. Um, so there's, there's a lot of fun if you, you know, enjoy that, like sort of extra plane or traveling back and forth. Uh, that would be really cool. A cool yeah, thing to do. especially at higher levels. Um, yeah. And the cool yeah. thing about the, I guess even the the lich fiend or, or or celestial ancient being is that there's a hierarchy, right? There's there's yeah. underlings underneath the the grand one um, built into D and D lore that you could use as your contact. Uh, yeah. But here's a question for you because there's there's two on this list that are one's called the endless, which is basically would be a being uh, in a fantasy story that just doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, uh, or a primal manifestation. I like that idea of there being like you know the primal manifestation of love yeah. is your is your is your patron or something like that. But yeah. my question to you is like, what would be your your main contact in that case uh, if you were if you were to do one of those? Um, because there isn't a built in hierarchy of 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 lesser beings to to report to. So like, who would be like the the major domo of love? <laughs> yeah, I mean. It- <laughs> I mean, I, I would be tempted to go in a humorous direction with that, like make the yeah. major domo love like this, you know, smooth talking llama, or you know, <laughs> a, a, like or like a you know this uh, an ostrich or a peacock or you know but always um, a bird. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> or a large <laughs> bipedal creature. Yeah, yeah that, that would be fun, and or or it could be a party member that gets sort of inhabit mm-hmm. inhabited with this thing, and then. Um, if like you've got the player who's a really good role player, you know, say, you know, write them a note and say, or talk to them before the game and say, look, when I kind of go like that, you are now inhabited by the primal force of love. And here's the quest you want to give the players. Neat. And so that way you can have a real laugh when, you know, your, your, your friend all of a sudden now has to play this role through their, you know, like their, you know, offling rogue character, whatever they become like, you know, depending on what, even what embodiment of love it is, it could be, you know, the love of all creatures and it becomes very spiritual or it could become like, love, you know, like you know, <laughs> they become like uh, the most interesting man, you know, in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. And then of course the dragon is, is great. You know, they're in, end up being antagonists in a lot of, mm campaigns but i love the idea of you know the party working for a dragon uh whether it's of uh, good intentions or evil ones um mm. i think that's I don't know, there's there's something really great about making um the dragons the star of your campaign not necessarily as an antagonist yeah i mean like you got a dragon like bahamut and mm-hmm. um or bahamut however you want to pronounce it but um that that dragon is sort of on the same kind of vibrational level is as like Laryl Silverhand in that Bahamut is, is looking for, you know, universal balance. Like Bahamut's not, um, he, and he's really into, you know, making sure that evil doesn't gain a big foothold. Um, maybe a bit more hands-on than Laryl is like Laryl's got water deep to, to deal with. And that's pretty much her plate is pretty full. Um, but Bahamut is, is always on the watch out for Tiamat to be released and you know there's always the cult of the dragon uh, you know that's trying to get her out of there and um so that's always a, a good patron to have for the party you know to to because you know of course being a you know a super dragon bahamut can shapeshift and turn into a human form and so they can encounter bahamut in oh, human yeah. form and uh you know talk with this sort of very you know beautiful you know, you know 
you know, character who's, who's giving them this information about, you know, there's, there's, you know, cult of the dragon activity and you, you know, here's, here's, you know, what we need you to do. And, and then Bahamut sort of takes all the logistical problems of how to get from here to there. I mean, he can just go and boom, you teleport to somewhere else. And it could be fun, like to make it a cross planar adventure. Like you need to go to some obscure plane, like maybe you go to limbo or something and you've got to deal with all the strange things that happen in limbo, but you've got to find this one object that has the power of limbo in it. And then you bring that then and you go down to another plane and use that item to sort of seal Tiamat into her, you know, her prison on, uh, on Avernus. So, um, yeah, dragons are always fun <laughs> and they're always like super high stakes. Like anytime, yeah. I mean, you know, you could, you could ramp it up to Tiamat level or you could put it in that there's just, um, you're approached by a, you know, an, elf, an ancient brass dragon. Who's like, Hey, there's an ancient red dragon. My, my old nemesis who is now starting to reemerge from, you know, her slumber and coming up out of the mountain and is demanding, you know, vengeance. And it's like, Oh crap. Like we've got to deal with this. <laughs> I love all that. I love more metallic dragons that aren't Bahamut. I think is fantastic. The bronze yeah. uh, and brass are my, are my favorite. Cause they can be, mm-hmm. they can be quirky and weird and have some of that comic relief too, uh, which yeah. is always fun. Copper dragons for sure too. Like yeah. they're, you know, they're tricksters and they're full of, full of, uh, full of sass. <laughs> The uh, the aristocrat uh, example here in the uh, patrons is you know pretty standard. I mean that's what you would think of as a uh, a medieval lord or 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 some type of yeah. um, more mundane uh, government figure. You mentioned Lateral Silverhand, uh, mm-hmm. but you know any any leader Mert. of yeah Mert or <laughs> uh, any leader of, uh, of of one of the um, city states in the Forgotten Realms would do well as well as uh, in, in in places like Eberron, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to do something where you uh, have an aristocrat that is a disguised vampire um, that, you know, this this very uh, charismatic uh, figure is telling you, like, to do these things and I'll give you all the money you need. And that's very tempting. And, you know, a lot of your players will be like, yes. And then some of your players will be like, wait a minute. (laughs) We're getting into we're getting into cahoots with somebody who's uh, kind of sketch, but, um, and then to have that, that moral dilemma, you know, of like, do we accept this from this sort of, we we're pretty sure this is a vampire, but, uh, and, and to play the vampire in a, in a sense of like, well, you know, I'm not, not this evil monster. I'm just, you know, getting things done on this, this plane. You've just got to do a few things for me. Yeah. Um, or have the reveal of that vampire thing happen mid campaign or, yeah. you know, something like that. That'd be great. It'd be like, oh, we've got this great person. You know, you build up kind of a rapport and a, and a yeah. loyalty to them. And then you realize that they've been uh, someone else the entire time. <laughs> uh, I, I think cool. that's fantastic. That's really fun. And that would be great for like, you know, you start off on first level and you don't have the magic power to like kind of detect that this, this, you know, person is really in magical disguise. And then only later, like you can kind of suspect it, but you're just like, hey, we're getting tons of money. He's teleporting us all over the the planet. Like, this is great. And giving us a bunch of clues for quests and everything seems on the up and up. And then when you get to, you know, the level you need to be to, you know, detect good and evil or whatever, and then, or this vampire could have, 
you know, uh, you know, mind shielding or could have, you know, dispel magic aura around it. So you just, you're never able to tell. Um, and then, then all of a sudden you find out and then you've got that moment that you're talking about, which is, which is awesome. It's like, yeah. holy crap, what do we do? You know? <laughs> I and love that we're trying to subvert end, that like already <laughs> too. Cause you know, and it can also just be fun too, to have an aristocrat that is on the up and up and is, is, is your patron and maybe even, yeah you know, uh, uh, perishes by the end of the campaign. And then one of the player characters has to inherit their, their holdings, you know, like, I feel like we could even do a little bit more of a, uh, a a nice succession story, uh, using the aristocrat too. Yeah. Like it could be, um, like say this aristocrat's kind of at the end of their life and, you know, say she, she like takes a liking to one of the player characters and is like, you know, them. you do the quest and then she, she dies and everybody's like, oh, super sad. And then they read the will and it's like, oh, you've just inherited this estate you've been, or you inherited all these holdings. And, you know, maybe if you go to like first to fifth level with this, with this aristocrat patron, mm-hmm. and then there's that moment where it's like, oh, you know, we, we can't do anything. It's like, and then, then she dies. And then all of a sudden now the party is at fifth level and they have this estate and a headquarters and all this cool stuff. And then you also have this cool story of this, this, uh, you know, like this transference, like they, they, you know, they bonded with one of the player characters or all of them. They could be like, Hey, I'm leaving it up to you guys. Cause you, um, you know, obviously are a force of good in the world. And I want to support that. That's like sort of my, my gift to, uh, Faerun, you know, like um, those adventures so the, I know. Right. And then, then you become the group patron. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Um, the next one here is Criminal Syndicate, and immediately the the Black Network or the Zentarum come yeah. to mind as the as the in world uh, of the Forgotten Realms kind of best analog here. But basically, any thieves guild or uh, yeah. organization that is you know working in, in in subterfuge could work for this. Yeah, I mean Xanathar, man, you can go Xanathar oh, yeah. and get all skullporty, you know, and get all snooping around down there. Um, and for sure, like if you wanted to like go over to the 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 magic realm, you could get to like uh, the Orjav, um, oh right, and the, like the guilds of Ravnica, and you know the the Obsidat is this sort of ghost council of of ancestral sort of crime lords, and they uh, from their sort of astral plane. <laughs> you know, still pull the levers and the strings of the of the that Ravnica guild and run it. So, if you wanted to have a great, fun adventure in Ravnica, or just pull the Obsidian and the Orjav and just slap them in wherever you want in your campaign, um, and just use them. Maybe you could even change the name and just say that's this ghost council of you know these these crime bosses that are still holding on even after death. They're still holding onto their power and trying to find a way to manipulate the material plane, which is uh, like a fun thing. Um, yeah, you could you could run with that. And because um, of those, they have so many underlings in that criminal organization, so that you can work your way up, and you know you'll have contacts that will be uh, you know less along the line. Uh, uh, you know, uh, not lieutenants of Xanathar or any yeah. of the, the thieves guild, but then you can work your way up. And I like that there's a kind of a progression uh, involved in. Um, this as well as, I mean, yeah, I, I, the ability to be able to offload some of your 
uh, downtime activities to some oh, fences yeah. within the criminal syndicate. I mean, mm-hmm. that is something that <laughs> would be of benefit to to a lot of players that I know. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, thinking about just what you said about like you know there is this sort of hierarchy of a criminal organization where you're just kind of a you know, a bag man at first and you're just running, you know, you're just moving things from packages. You're like, what's in the package? Don't ask questions, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. just move the package, you know, like, okay. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you guys did really good. Um, you know, you, you've, you've been loyal. You haven't asked to, you haven't been snooping around. Okay. Now we're going to give you the next thing. And it's like, wow. And we just, you know, and, and of course the lure is, you know, money, you know, it's, it's always like, Hey, we don't have to think about armor. We get the coolest weapons. Like, uh, that, that's great. And, uh, and then at some point, you know, the paladin of the party's like, okay, <laughs> wait a minute. This Hold is all up. sketchy. Hold yeah. up. Right. The bard's like, this is awesome. Let's do it some more. <laughs> the guild, uh, example here is, is kind of a catch all. Uh, but I love yeah. that there's some, some commercial thing. One of my favorite characters from, from when I was a kid was silk from the Belgariad. Uh, who was, oh, he was an adventurer. Gosh, he was doing all kinds yeah, of yeah. things uh, that were, were part of the, the, the heroic party. But he also was making deals on the side. No matter where <laughs> he went, he was always buying low and selling high. <laughs> and I think that yeah. would be perfect for, for uh, a patron in, in, in this guild system. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, and in guilds, you know, they are everywhere and they can be everything. Like you've got guilds in Ravnica, you've got guilds in Eberron, you've got guilds and, you know, for sure you've got guilds in FR, you know, bazillions of them. And, uh, you know, even in Waterdeep, you've got tons of guilds so just within just that city, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's, it's that, that's kind of sky's the limit. And, uh, I think, you know, um, we were just uh, like thinking about like the dragon mark houses, you know, it's like, okay, you can, you can do work for them. Um, especially, you know, like there's a lot of you know, lost lore in the, where the, the, the lost, the, the last war took place and mm-hmm. in the Mornlands, And there's just all this sort of mystery of like things. There were amazing things that were there. They're amazing um, constructs and there were amazing magic items and they're amazing you know, machines that happened there. And there was a lot of lost technology. And so just these dragon marked houses sending you into that place to go and, you know, money is no object like house Kenneth, just like saying, here's a ton of cash. Here's all this, here's all these weapons and all this, uh, you know, armor and, and just go for it. Just go get stuff. And that could be pretty much how, you know, a DM could start an Eberron campaign. It's just uh, a house, you know, hires the party and just like go get little things and bring them back and you just start bringing back bigger and bigger stuff and as you ramp up in power then you're like you know you get to this level and then they're like okay there was a colossus that was built and it fell and now we need to get it back we need to get you know it's docents out of its head you know it's like we need all that technology back and all that information and then you've got to go and try to do that big epic quest which would be fun and that could be you know that could be months of total everyone fun <laughs> yeah and i would totally right pick there. uh house Canada as a, as a as a guild right because they have a, yeah. a lot of uh mercantile uh expertise uh throughout oh, yeah. you know yeah. it's all about making money and so yeah uh 
not that all guilds need to have that, but there is there is that kind of unified purpose around yeah. uh, a guild, whether they be yeah. um, ones that are about craftsmanship or anything like that. Like you know, you're always about commerce to a certain extent. So yeah, that that works out really well uh, from the Dragon Mark houses because they are they go across you know military control lines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The next one though is military force, and that you know is is full on the wares the soldiers and and. Uh, the other those of those backgrounds would uh, would want to be in. Um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, perhaps even like the Purple Dragon Warriors from mm-hmm. from Cormier. Mm-hmm. That type of thing oh, yeah. would be a military force, right? Yeah, and you know, when I think about that, like I think about even you know, like the Purple Dragon Warriors or you know, the Hell Riders and Elthrell kind of deal, right. where you've got uh, you know, Devil Fighters and Fiend Fighters, and or you could pick like a a long ship full of uh you know ragged barbarians that are gonna go down or um or illuscans you know that that these sort of viking archetypes are gonna take they're they're gonna go sail you know the river sticks and fight fiends and go to valhalla kind of deal um and or you could kind of do it where you're doing sort of like your party is a small tactical strike force. Like the main yeah. fight is going over, like say you're going to do a Dragonlance adventure and you've got like all these dragon riders and stuff in this giant arm, this battle's going here. But as a DM, you're like, I don't want to do mass combat. I don't want to deal with that, but I'm going to send them around here. And it's like, they're going to go behind the lines and they're going to infiltrate in and they're going to be a part of this massive battle but they're the ones who are chosen to do this super dangerous, you know, high risk, but high reward job. And in order to do that, they get some really cool magic items and, you know, the, the trust, like if you pull this off, then these 10,000 warriors will survive. But if you don't like the battle is lost and, you know, the, the evil dragon wins or something. So, yeah. Um, that could be fun. And I think what's, imp- I mean, all those uh, story hooks that you're just describing makes total sense. I think what's might be important for running a group patron like this is to make sure that there is some iconography, you know, as well as the, the badges of, of, of rank uh, and whatnot yeah. and kind of keep that mm-hmm. pomp and circumstance. Cause I feel like, I mean, maybe That's I'm, I, I've never been involved in the military, but I observe what happens in the military mm-hmm. and there does seem to be this level of ceremony and uh that can be very fun to play for uh, a specific you know yeah uh, player character or a, 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 a group to be like oh, we're we're this you know elite team within this elite team uh, but we hold all yeah. of the uh the things to be uh, important along the way and i feel like that you know as long as you have that chain of command going you know it's it's it can be really cool yeah, yeah, it's it's and you know to like, I mean everybody loves the medal ceremony at the end of Star Wars, you know. Yeah. Like that the thing that as you start off lower level, you know, you you do your mission, you come back, and you know you get your reward or whatever. But then at some point, the 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 military force, the patron, um, the the general or the admiral or whoever, comes down and and she gives you medal and is just like this is your first medal. Like you've actually, now you're within the, you know, the, the, the military order. Now you like, now you're a part of this, this crew. And, and then there's that feeling of like, yeah, we're on, you know, we're, we're part of something. We're part of, you know, something that is, you know, and if the case is in your campaign, it's like this military order is about, 
defeating evil. And it's say it's something like the Hell Riders, where <clears throat> yeah, we are we are the stand on the material plane to defeat the encroachment of fiends into this world, and nothing's getting by us. And to reach, you know, to receive a cool insignia like that you are a, a, a devil fighter or that you, um, you know, you have gone down. It's like, say, if you go down into the, into Avernus and you come back, then you get the, the order of, you know, the, the Avernal fighters or whatever. And that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. get the badge or the hell riders from, uh, yeah. from Beetle and Grimm's, um, yeah. <laughs> right. This, this type of thing I think is, uh, a really great way for a dungeon master. It doesn't have to be, you know, a physical item, but as long as you're yeah. you're, you're showing these uh, tokens of their service, um, you're right. That metal ceremony is great. Um, yeah. uh, a great example that 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 I think players latch onto and would love. And you know, I mean, dungeon masters can use that without using the group patron, but it just kind of yeah. adds to the the illusion that you are in this organization. Uh, and uh, are are participating, and then you get rewards uh, based on that. And that's yeah, right. like DMs, you know, a lot of DMs have some artistic talent, you know, and they could draw their own cool insignia Ooh, yeah. of this, you know, fictitious order. Um, or they could pull one off the internet, you know, something like, you know, uh, but, or even, you know, a lot of the FR, you know, groups have little labels like the Flaming Fist has their, you know, their symbol. And you could do that and print them out and cut them out and then give them to your players, you know, like mounted onto cardboard, kind of like glue the paper on the cardboard. <laughs> And then, you know, hand it out. It's got, it kind of has a little bit of feel to it. Like, like, oh, this is a really cool thing. And, and then have the, you know, have the, the ceremony. I, I think that's a great idea, Greg. That's really, that's really sweet. I want to do that now. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I want, I want to receive the medal, you know. Like, <laughs> I know, like, I have all my old character sheets and I have drawn on the back, like, little cool things that they got. And I think, man, just sticking, like, you know, the medal that they got on there would be just sweet. That is awesome. Um, so religious orders are certainly, uh, you know, they have, they have some similarities to what we're talking about, but they have this more devout thought, uh, going on around them, uh, philosophically. Um, so, I mean, what would be some examples of a religious order, uh, that you could use as a group, group patron? Yeah. Like an FR, you could definitely use like, um, like, uh, you could be like an order of clerics that are worshipped ill modern. And they are about going into battlefields and healing, um, you know, fallen warriors. They could also be, um, you know, trying to get the sick off the battlefield or going into a plague zone or going into an area where people have been afflicted by some fiendish, like, uh, disease or something. And, you know, just doing the good work of Ilmater, uh, and then trying to find a way to cure that disease. Um, that could be, now that I'm thinking about it, it could be an interesting way of um, having a non-combat uh, adventure oh, where yeah. you're really kind of just solving a mystery and then you're you're kind of working against the clock and you're trying to figure out, it's almost like an episode of House or <laughs> ER, you know, like, like something's happening and you've got to try to figure out what it is and your your enemy is the clock, your enemy is this ticking like time bomb that's going to go off. Um and, and Ilmater is, you know, the the clerics have hired you. It could also be that, like, uh, a devout organization is like, we have a sacred person who is a super healer, and we need to, you to escort them from point A to point B, and they've got to go through this horrible place to do their work, and you've got to protect them from all the things that are going on. 
um, that could be fun. Yeah, as but, well as yeah. making sure you're staying true to the tenets of the of the deity, yeah. right? So like I lied, like your non-combat idea is very cool. If you have a pacifist deity or something like that that mm-hmm. wants to uh, preserve balance, uh, you know, and, and trying to figure out non-combat solutions uh, through the encouragement of that through a religious order is very cool. Um, there's less of the pomp. Well, I guess that's not true. There, there certainly will be some ceremony with some religious orders, but you know, yeah. there are ways that you can get that across um, just by being a friar and wearing robes and, and, and yeah. that kind or, of or it could be devotion. Yeah, like you save the village and then at the end, these humble people that don't have two pennies to rub together, but they, they reward you with like hospitality and, and, you know, pure of heart, you know, felt goodness, you know, and, yeah. and you've saved this village and they're like, anytime you come here, you've got a home. And, you know, when you walk into that village, you know, people like, you know, they're, they're like, you're the, you're the heroes in that, in that village. And that, that really is sort of like a, a metal ceremony in its own sort of way that, you know, you've done something that's actually, you know, has impacted this, this area of the Forgotten Realms. You know, you've, you've, you've saved a village from fiendish disease of darkness, <laughs> So, yeah. And then finally, we've got sovereigns who, you know, are, are how would you separate the sovereign um, example here from the aristocrat example from earlier? Yeah, I think like aristocrats kind of they're, you know, they're 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 sovereignty like, but I think a sovereign could be like in the in the Tasha's book, there's the picture of the Triton King yeah. who's looking all like swanky, you know, and he's got his cool crown on and stuff. And yeah, you could be approached by the King of the Tritons and uh, that you have to do some land-based mission uh, to, you know, whatever that might be. Um, um, or like a King of the, the, the fa- a fairy domain, like a fey domain mm. and then they, from the fey wild and this, this king of this fey domain approaches you and says, you know, hey, there's something you've got to do for my people down here. Or like, you know, the thing that's coming to my mind right now is that there is a door in the fey wild that can only be breached by non-fey. You know, if you've got a party of non, there's no, no elves in there and there's non-fey or, or gnomes, then you, you could have that party and say like, look, there's this thing that these monsters are coming out of this portal but Faye are not able to go through it. It's warded. So this, this king of the Faye says, my domain is being invaded and I, I'm coming to you guys for help. You know, you've been a, a friend of the Faye or, you know, however that, that you make that connection. But then you go into the Faye wild and then you go into this place and maybe it's the Underdark, maybe it leads to the Underdark, or maybe it leads to, you know, some other, you know, realm. It could be a pocket domain or, you know, so, but... Oh, yeah, that's a nice way to do it. So it's, you're not necessarily... A sovereign, or you're not serving a sovereign necessarily in the, on the material plane, but you're doing so yeah. uh, through through other means. Um, but I think, I guess, in my mind, I think you know the difference from the aristocrat is someone who's like a the leader of a house or someone who's not necessarily uh, the top dog in their yeah. area or in their city, mm-hmm. but still in the upper echelon. Where the sovereign is, you are serving the the leader you're serving yeah. the the king or the queen uh, and are uh, more directly responsible for uh, for that than you would be if you were just serving the the, the aristocrat yeah and you know like with the, with the sovereign it's like 
you could do a pure and good sovereign, like something out of a, a, a fairy tale, or you could yeah, do like a King Arthur or something. Yeah, you know, somebody who's you know really got ideal, high ideals and is, is pure spirit and heart. Uh, or you could do, you know, like a Henry VIII sovereign, where you're like, whoa, man, yeah. <laughs> like this guy is, you know, this is kind of sketchy, and he's he's killing people left and right, and you know, like, and if we get, <clears throat> it's a little bit sort of like a crime boss, like we can get a lot of big rewards by serving the sovereign, but if we make him or her mad, then mm. like we can, you know, get killed. So it could be like the Queen of Hearts in. Um, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland, like she's all happy, happy, happy until something makes her mad. And then she just wants everybody's head chopped off, you know? So you could set up a sovereign like that, where it's just like, Oh, you know, we, at first it looked all great. And then now that we're in, we're in the deal with, with the sovereign now, now we have to deal with their wild temperament, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. I feel like it's a much more personal, uh, personality-driven uh, kind of way to do it for the, for the sovereign, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So many nice. great things. I feel like you and I uh, could, could throw ideas back oh and gosh. forth uh, forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I would hope we were an inspiration to you and uh, can use these group patrons in a way in your campaign uh, that brings forth all these stories and, uh, you know, cements them into reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing is that the, the, the Tasha's book gives you uh, a framework to follow. Like you, you've got this sort of pattern that um, you can start to fill out. And it says, you know, like, what is the the type of, you know, group patron? You know, what's their, you know, what's their, what a context do you, do you get? And what's the, what quests do they give? And so, you know, you can, you can read the section and then sort of get the ideas for your own, you know, your own group patrons. And so it's a really fun uh, section of the book to kind of, explore and peruse and get ideas right and it's not cut and dry like even just in how we're talking about there's some that could fit for different ones and change throughout and so it's uh it's a super cool tool and i hope more people check it out and use it um if people want to throw ideas at you adam what's a great way to get in touch um i am on the twitters and it's at adam of adventure so yep i'm always on standby to hear (laughs) cool stuff Awesome. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, Adam, for stopping by and talking through all this. And we'll be back with some more fun stuff coming up. Sweet. That was awesome, Greg. Thanks. Yay. I feel like we know so many more things. Right? I definitely do. At least three things. Thank you. That you know. Yeah. You might have learned from that, from that segment. Yep. Lots How of, to of new. put your pants on one leg at a time. That's what I've Adam been Lee doing it me. wrong all this time. <laughs> You're just doing the, the jump and putting two the in jump at the in. same time. Yes. And it's why it takes me so long to get dressed in the morning because you never really make it on the first try. Well, you'd think after 27 years on this earth, Shelly, you'd be able to jump into those pants quite well. <laughs> yes, you would think. But. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a few more decades, I'll get it down. Well, uh, I think the person we are going to talk to for our interview has gotten uh, a lot of things down, right? Eddie Cooper. Let's give uh, a call to him and talk about his experience on Broadway. <laughs> 
Everyone, let's welcome Eddie Cooper to Dragon Talk. Yay, hello, hello. Eddie Cooper! You're my favorite actor, Eddie. <laughs> 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 Real we, fans in the audience today. Oh my God, how? <laughs> We're excited to talk to you. We love theater majors, and not just because they enunciate and project, but... We do that. Theater, that's our people. That's right. That's right. You're calling from from New York, right? Yeah, New York City. Uh, right in the middle of Manhattan. Oh. Really? Ooh, that's mm-hmm. fancy. So fancy. <laughs> I only had. I was in Brooklyn. I only had, I had to take the L train to get into the fancy parts. Well, you know. <laughs> I I had to take a a Greyhound bus for three and a half hours to get there. So. <laughs> I'm from upstate New York, the other New York. Upstate New York is beautiful. I went to college in Ithaca, New York. What? I, I, Not I have again. a strong love for, for upstate New York. Ithaca College me? or Cornell? Ithaca College. Me too. I'm an I'm a bomber. I'm a I'm a theater alumni from Ithaca College. You need to stop right <laughs> now. How, how is this all right, possible? We, how do, this happens all the time. There's so many Ithaca connections. I love it. And Greg used to work at the Hangar Theater. Oh my god! Yeah, I've been to shows at the Hangar Theater. It's such oh, a great place. Oh no way! Oh my god, we have so much to talk about. I'm sure it'll be oh, interesting yes, to everyone. Oh yes, Ithaca <laughs> yeah. is gorgeous. Well, we just sit here and talk about our professors from college. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I I don't even want to ask when you were there because I I'm sure that I was there a long time before you were. I don't know about all that. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I graduated in uh, 2004. Okay, yeah, I was there before that. <laughs> was there. Wait, you, you cut out for a second. Can we can we get a confirmation I, on that? I was I was there before. I'm not before. I'm oh, you're not going to say exactly when. No, but it was before. Okay, it was. <laughs> it was the very before. <laughs> I was slightly before. In, uh, it was in college when I was at the Hangar Theater, so that was 97, the summer of 97 I was there uh, okay. and stayed on the Ithaca College campus and uh, you know, would, would commute through the town to get to the Hangar Theater and the build sets for their, for their summer stock. Just hills and windy roads. Yes, we used to call, um, like we, we had like what we call Ithaca size because like there was so much walking <laughs> up hills. We were like, oh, like I got my Ithaca thighs like it was like a very distinct body type beer, everyone's beer boots in Ithaca, Ithaca are like, <laughs> mm. you could bounce the quarter mm-hmm. off them yes oh, yeah. oh my god everyone except for me <laughs> yeah I don't think I ever got to that level but it's so beautiful and it, it is a wonderful theater program there were you an, an acting major or I was an uh, acting major okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, um, I was a theater. Yeah. I was a BA. And so okay. um you um BFAs looked down upon us BAs. Listen, <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> At least I didn't because I knew it was the BAs that would be hiring me eventually. So. <laughs> I know I thought it was I thought I was getting like the more well rounded theater degree. Um but Yeah, I would agree with you, <laughs> actually. I don't know. I don't know, but no, like they're super talented. Like, I I'm not I'm not that talented. Um, I can memorize things uh, really well, and um, not yeah. lots of actors can't do that. So. Yeah, that, that's like. My, but I just I mean like I don't want to do math, so I'm like theater sounds like the right place for me. Um, 
<laughs> but for, um, for good reason. I liked the the writing part, like the playwriting, and and I kind of yeah. gravitated more towards the creative writing side anyway. But they're the teachers are phenomenal. The theater is like, I mean. There's people who have zero ties to Ithaca. Like, they would just come to the theater at Ithaca yeah, College. Yeah, like, it, like, I always thought that was so impressive that it was there were, like, actual people. It was a program, actually. I had, yeah. a, I had a really good time at Ithaca. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. And I did you it, um, I Did you play Dungeons & Dragons while you were uh, yeah. in college? So, like, I, I, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons at the time, but not, like, in college, I would always come home and play with my friends at home. Oh, okay. So See, you started before that. You started, yeah. So when 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 was your your first experience? And tell us about that. I played Dungeons and Dragons throughout my childhood, but it was you know it was very rules light Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. And then like I would say probably actually around the time I went I went to college, we started going. Oh no, wait, this is this is how this book says we should do it. So mm-hmm. let's give it a go and try this out. And around that time is when we really started like, you know, raw rules is written <laughs> D&D. Right. Oh, okay. So before that, it was just like, ah, we'll roll some dice and, and, and bash some monsters. But then you were like, all right, let's do it yeah. for reals. Uh, so that would have been in the like 3.5 era then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 3.5 is... I learned to play D and D really with three point five. Me too. Me too. Yeah, that was. My I like three point five. Yeah, it's got a lot of uh, uh, great design elements, and it, it certainly allowed you to play whatever character you wanted to play, especially by the end of the the, the life cycle, right? Oh wow, yeah, with prestige classes and and all that. It was. I liked all that stuff. I, I like how it's kind of like baked into five E now, though. Right. Yeah, some you could you could argue that the subclasses are kind of prestige classes. That's that when I first started Five E, that's kind of how I looked at it. Nice, which was which is cool. I like that. So, what was it about your gaming group uh, that you would go visit, um, you know, on breaks or whatever in college? Like, what was it about those uh, people that coalesced into into something that you would you would you would meet up with, uh, you know, even on breaks like that? Well, yeah, so these are friends that I grew up with. You know, they're lifelong friends that I I still play D&D with now and other tabletop games. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be playing D&D together when we're like 60. <laughs> I shouldn't do this barely, for 60. 60's like, not that old. <laughs> 60's not like Kane hunched over. Oh, I can barely <laughs> pick up these dice. Oh, that was great right no. ages. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> we need to no, we'll like, we'll dice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what was your first uh, character that you latched onto, and it was like, "This is my my D and D character." Might not have been the first one you played with, but what was the one where like I would you know you you played through the most, or you had the best stories for? So that would have to be Morgana Vexus, mm. Warlock, mm. Human Warlock. She's my three point five character. Who was she's still with us? Oh, she's kind of evil. <laughs> it happens. And she runs a village full of goblins at this point, which is kind of cool. She's like the Goblin Queen. I kind of, I, I kind of modeled her after Jareth from Labyrinth a little bit. That's cute. I like that. 
Do you still do you still have you like updated her to fifth edition and do you still play her or do we just know she's I, out I there? still play her, but oh. I we, we play three point five in that. Oh, group. okay, cool. So she yeah, really we'll be, is still going. Well, my DM in that in that group is very I will never he's he, you know, he's got all the books, he's got all the he's not ever going to switch to yeah. another <laughs> <laughs> version of TD. I keep on trying to get him to play with five E with me, and he's like <laughs> Go and nope. do it. He's or like, I'm going to do it. I've invested hard. One day. I'm going to get yeah. him. I'm going to get him one day. Trick him. Just trick well, him. There's one shots out there. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, right? Check that would be out. a good thing. And I'm playing a, a Dwarven Cleric right now in, in my in my 5e game, which I play actually way more frequently than my than my other game that oh. we've been playing for years. A Warlock and a Cleric. I know, right? Yeah. Size <laughs> of the coin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's like it lets you, you know, explore all angles there. Yeah, yeah. I think next character I make is gonna just be like a barbarian or something. Yeah, it's good to to go out of the comfort zone once in a while. Yeah, yeah. But every time I try, I just I'm like, I don't really like this. <laughs> <I wanna laughs> what's I what's your back. what? Who do you what? What kind of character do you usually I, play? I like magic users. I just, yeah, and but I. Ha- when I do break free, I will play like a, a ranger because really easy. You don't have to. Fair like, enough. You don't have to prep anything or plan anything. You just kind of know what you're going to do, and then you yeah. can just spend your time being like strategic. Whereas you know, the wizard, you have to you know prepare things and every ranger and like I've that. ever played has met a horrible end. Oh no. Oh. I'm, why? I am cursed with rangers. I don't know why. Because uh, I feel like I, I I probably play like I'm Aragorn too much, and I'm mm. like, let me take care of everything, and then I'm just dead. Oh, oh! Every every <laughs> ranger you've played, every single ranger. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the ones played. that you play with. Oh. oh no 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 no! Me personally, if I ever make a ranger, that ranger will be dying. Yeah, <laughs> just a little fast and loose with the. <laughs> with the, with the rangers i, I played a, a cleric once, once um and i was a once nobody wants me to be the cleric i was a disaster because people were like oh like help me cleric and i'm like i don't know if i should i don't have that much healing and what if somebody <laughs> gets more hurt than you i was too stingy too stingy with the bandages and uh yeah everybody i think I just basically let people die around me while I was basically holding like a full first aid kit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like the pressure is on when you're. A it's cleric, too much. Though. Yes, the pressure is kind of on you. Yeah, and it's also like, oh, like stop asking me for help. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> do stuff on my own. It feels too it's much like being like, a parent. I was just gonna say it it's kind of like how I feel in quarantine with like. Uh, kids, like, oh, <laughs> help me do this math. Make me a lunchable. Come on, yeah. no. God, they're so demanding. They're just always like needing things. <laughs> so how have you have you have you have you dealt with that as being the dwarf cleric? Have you been able to to live up to the to the healer status? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I I try. Um, I'm in. I uh, he's a death domain cleric. Oh, so so there's that. Know. Oh, the warlock <laughs> makes more sense now. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sensing a trend. I was thinking like, oh, he'd be this, uh, you know. Well, you saw my Kalemvor background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, sometimes, so, sometimes people got to die. 
I mean, it happens. It's part of life. Circle of life. <laughs> Teachable moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, so when, so you were playing D&D not on the, the actual campus, but you were playing like while you were, you know, studying acting and theater. On vacations you, and stuff. Yeah. I'd come home and we'd, we'd, we'd play. Did you incorporate any like tenets of D&D into like your your theater into your theater work like did Morgana ever like appear and like as like an improv character anywhere or so funny because oh. yes <laughs> <laughs> nobody knew it but <laughs> I love the story already I did a um an all male version of a show called a funny thing happened on the way to the forum yeah yeah and uh, it's a great musical for those of you who don't know it. It's very funny, and it's it's just it's it's hilarious. And the music is blah, blah, blah. Nathan Lane but, was in the um, revival, right? Like, wasn't yes, yeah. Nathan Lane was in the revival on Broadway. Um, I think Zero Mostel played that part originally, originally, right? Yeah, I think. But um, I played Domina, who is like just the mean wife figure who's ah, like Ugh. and there was definitely a little bit of Morgana Vexus in there. Like if she could cast mm. if Domino could cast spells on people, they would their Eldridge bolts would have been flying. <laughs> nice. Or Eldridge Blast would have been flying. I would have loved to have seen that on the on the stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I want to see a D D version of that show. Just I want to all... see a D D version of like every show. Right? So, yeah. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? D&D version. <laughs> Ooh, that actually would be great. Right? Because you'd have like new players coming to the table and the uh, George, the dungeon, like the overbearing uh, you know, uh, dungeon master. Oh my God. Right? Oh, yeah, Sign this could work. Up. That could actually work. <laughs> I'm into it. I love it. I always wanted, I was been pitching a, a, a D&D a Jesus Christ Superstar rock musical, a rock opera type of, uh, of thing for a long time. But here for it. Great. Nice. <laughs> See? We're, we're getting allies. We're bringing. We have Eddie Cooper attached. Let's make <laughs> this <we> happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make it happen. I guess, conversely, then, have you ever played a character that you thought, oh, this might be a good D&D character and incorporated some of that into character making? Well, you know, I played Audrey, too, in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. And as a DM, I have, there have been villains who were loosely based on Audrey too. Oh. At least from the vocal, <laughs> right? Like you can have a great, uh, it's, it's such a powerful, evil voice to do that. You know, I, I can't do it. I'm no voice actor, but you can. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's, were you the puppeteer as well, or just the voice? No, so I so I did. Um, it was kind of a, a, a concert version of it. It, it was at a, a, a thing called Encores in in New York, mm -hmm. which happens at City Center, which is this big, beautiful, gorgeous theater in in New York. Uh, and they, Union they, Square they, area, right? Is no, uptown. Okay, I'm, I'm misremembering. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of close to. Um, it's like on 55th Street or something like that. Okay. I forget the exact address. Yeah. But um, yeah, I uh, I did it there. And it's a kind of paired back version. But Jake Gyllenhaal was actually Seymour. No way. And 
Yeah, and um, and it was it was wild. Uh, Ellen Green, who was the original Audrey, was Audrey in in this one wow. as well. Oh my god! That's like a, I mean, it was it was wild. Yeah, it was it was kind of a dream come true. <laughs> I used to watch that movie every day when I was a little kid. So, like every day. So to like all of a sudden I'm on stage with Ellen Green. Oh, and, like, that's amazing! As the plant, <laughs> that's oh. weird. Like I'm um, killing Ellen Green right now. I'm I'm the plant. Man. I've made it. I, yeah. You know you've made it. Did I? I'm, did I ever? Not that I never want to do you? that. She's a sweetheart, and I love her so much. Not in real life. <laughs> Not in real life. No, we would never. Did I ever I mean. read about you in the Ithaca College Quarterly? Because that seems like the kind of thing that you would put in there. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I that's pretty. I mean, that's really that's quarterly. impressive. Yeah, <laughs> they probably reserve that for like the Aaron Tveits and everything who've graduated. No way, man! I'm going to submit it on your behalf because that's really cool. I'm going to say Eddie Cooper was on Dragon Talk, class okay. of 2004. <laughs> okay, but all of my all of the people who I currently play D and D with, when I told them that I was going to be on Dragon Talk, lost their damn minds. They're nice. very excited really? about that. So I yeah, I'm like Shout I'm, I'm 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 <laughs> it's it's really funny. I, I'm playing with like such a great group right now. My DM puts in so much work and is so good. I feel so spoiled and and luckily lucky to have that, especially at this time when we're all right. Yeah. I know, no kidding. So you guys have managed to keep the game going, like just virtually. We're up on that roll twenty every week. Nice, doing it. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about your group because they're they sound awesome. So, um, what? So, what's your campaign all about? Uh, It is. I think he kind of ported it from maybe Pathfinder and and. Put it into and you know read it all of it. I think it's it's Rise of the Rune Lords. Oh yeah, okay. that's an adventure path. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what we're playing right now. And he put it into Five E, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting ready to storm a big keep that is overrun with ogres. So. It's like a kind of do or die moment right now for the <laughs> for the Shields of Sandpoint. <laughs> that's that's where you guys left off. Yeah. Next week we will be taking that on. Shields so, of Sandpoint. That's a good. That's a good group name. Yeah. Yeah. We're 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 gonna we're gonna try this this uh, ogre clearing. <laughs> Ugh, I'm, a I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> I love that. Sure I love that. That's what D&D is doing for folks right now is giving them something to uh, be nervous about but also be excited and look forward to uh, on these on these weekly things. Uh, that's I, see, I, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that to look forward to every week. And also, uh, I don't know how he does it, but somehow every week seems to end on the perfect cliffhanger. I know. So, I don't know how Dungeon Masters do that. He's really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> He's real good. I'm so lucky. I love I love my group right now. They're the best. And this is the the game that you're the cleric? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is Turok Greystone. Oh. Turok. All right. <laughs> Very nice. And then have you ever tried your hand at being a dungeon master? 
Yeah, uh, I DM. Uh, you know, I I love playing. I think that's really where my heart is. But I do I do like to DM. It's fun. Uh, I I'm not super good at preparation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, some people are really good at doing it on the fly, and I think I'm okay at that. But uh, my my current DM is like so good and. Just like something happens. Oh, there's a map for that. Oh, there's a look. Oh, we do something that he doesn't expect and he's just ready to roll with it. And I don't know. I just, I love playing. Yeah. 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 I'm with you though. I'm the, I'm the, the low prep uh, DM uh, who just likes to roll with it. I'll make a map or, you know, do some, 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 uh, thinking about, oh, if they do this, I'll do that. And if they do this, I do that. But that's about it. And I love it because it almost makes it like an improv session for me. As totally. It, it's very, it's very that. Yeah. yeah. I would, lo- I would love to play <laughs> with just like hardcore imp- improv people. Yeah. Cause that would be gets, interesting. <laughs> it gets silly sometimes because you end up just yeah, going could, for the laugh. Um, but yeah, it could, can be mm. really, really fun just to, Pull it all out of your butt as you're saying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all so the people scary. I'm playing with right now are theater people, so that's fun. Oh, yeah. Do you so they, do you have uh, voices for your characters? Like, you know, a little bit. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> <laughs> when we're feeling saucy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. That's so the hardest scary. part for me is keeping that consistent. When I do a voice for an NPC or something like that, and then the next week or you know three months from there, I'm like, oh, what did this person sound like again? I don't know. Oh my god, yeah, that can be. That's one thing I do love about DMing, though, is having to just make up a million characters in a night because that's that's fun to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pre- it's yeah. pure improv there for sure. Yeah. Um. So you're doing a a horror podcast, right? What's uh What's that yeah, all about? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing this really cool podcast right now. Uh, it's called The Rooms, and it's like it's a serialized horror anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and each season, a person wakes up in the rooms, and they're not sure how or why they're there. And in each episode, they're kind of thrust into an anthology tale where they experience terrible things. <laughs> Is it but it's, uh, fiction? It's really cool. Is it like written out like a script or is it improvised? No, it's written out like a script. It's oh, okay. very yeah, it's it's a scripted um it's kind of it's you know, it's it's kind of like a radio play every week. Yeah. But um it has sci-fi aspects to it, horror aspects to it. It's really cool. The there are great voice actors working on actually one of the um the 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 guy who asked me to do it, who's also a voice actor on the piece, we met doing um a funny thing happened on the way to the forum together oh wow yeah what a cool connection so are yeah. you the a writer or are you one of the voice actors no i'm just i'm just i'm just a voice actor on the show are, are you without spoiling too much are you one of the people that terrible things happen to when they wake up in the I, room i am like kind of this season i'm kind of like the person that terrible things oh. are happening to oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. It's yeah. rough. It's real rough because they put me through the ringer. Got to oh scream God. a lot. How are you, how is your vocal prep for 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 screaming and yelling going? 
Well, I live in an apartment building. So, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and we're, you know, obviously we're all recording from home right now. Um, I honest, I don't have to scream that much. Oh, good. But when I do, <laughs> it's very funny because we're we're talking blood curdling, someone's murdering me screams. Right. Oh and my god. <laughs> my next time would be like. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to like send Beaky a dubs. note to like to your neighbor and like I'm gonna be Don't recording. call the cops. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably have a lot of time acting. in New York. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's a great way to promote your podcast. I mean, just you yeah. know. Yeah, do some door to door. If you want to hear the full story, go here. <laughs> if you want to know why I'm screaming. Down. <laughs> That's oh awesome. my god. Uh, okay, uh, so this so is yeah, your has first that season. Out? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chad. No, I was just for that. This is you said this is your first season doing it. Yeah, it's this is the third season of the show, but this is my my first season being a part okay. of it. Okay. Well, I hope they don't kill you off so you can come back again. Well, well you can just do. have to listen to Tune find in. out. All right. <laughs> we also have some really cool guests. Unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to say who at the moment. Is it Jake Gyllenhaal? But, um, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I can't say it is not Jake um, Yeah, but, that's but no, the we guy have some he cool met. Uh-oh. Oh, no, that was, that was different. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, Can that's awesome. I, yeah, just keep going down the list until he's like, yeah, if your eyes move to the left, then we'll know that you're lying. <laughs> um, but what I was going to ask about was like horror is such a uh, a hard part for me to bring to life in uh, in in my games uh, as a dungeon master mm. because it's just not my my genre right it's not like my my wheelhouse I don't I don't read a lot of horror I don't you know it's not really what I would, would do but there are certainly good stories that you can tell that are fantasy epic heroic stories that use elements of horror so I was wondering if there's anything you learned oh, yeah. from from participating in this project that you they might think, oh, oh, I might want to run something like this. Because the way you described it as being like waking up in rooms, I'm like, that mm-hmm. sounds like a D&D adventure right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's definitely aspects of this that could be kind of picked for a, a D&D campaign for sure. Um, horror, yeah, horror is an interesting thing. It's, uh, especially in, in, in D&D, I feel like sometimes in D&D when things can feel a little... Heavy, um, and you know, I I like to take the game seriously and everything, but I feel like it's nice when there's a little bit of levity. I guess is yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think people get worried about getting feeling a little bogged down in the heaviness of horror. Yeah, but so you gotta. I have- think horror can live in both places. Kind of. Well, it's something that I mean. We've talked to uh, Chris Perkins, who wrote uh, *Curse of Strahd*, uh, which was the gothic mm. horror themed adventure, right? And he he makes that point often, right? You can't just have it be scary all the time because <laughs> after a while, you're just like, oh, that's boring. It's just a guy with weird crinkly hands yelling scary, like I, you know. Yeah. The fourth time you it, say it that, it's like exhausting. You got to have ups and downs, and levity can provide a lot of that that down. And then all of a sudden you turn that levity into something, you know, creepy. You know, it makes it even more yeah. powerful. But it also makes it harder to do right. well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so much, so much of the for horror for me is the anticipation mm-hmm. of the horror. Like, it doesn't even ha- ever have to happen. You just know, like, 
it might happen. And that yes. is like where like the th- the true chills come in for me. So it's like, you know, building up that suspension and then it may never pan out. It doesn't like paranormal activity. Remember those movies? Yes. <laughs> those were actually really scary to me. Just be like seeing that baby monitor and like, Oh, that oh, first I one. Don't, I don't ever want to see something walk across this baby monitor. And sometimes you never did. But I was clutching my pearls. <laughs> just fully. Yeah. And they, yeah, they don't really show much. It's like Blair Witch kind of. Oh my God, that too. Yeah. That was also scared the crap out of me. Yeah. I remember going to see that in the movie theater and um, I sat next to a stranger and we held each other's hands. <laughs> oh, that's not really <laughs> We were so story. scared. <laughs> I was scared of the night coming in that movie. I remember just being like, oh shit, it, the sun's going down. Oh, that was good. It was that really was good. A really good movie. Yeah. It's great. And you don't even ever see that witch. Not a once. No. No. This, but like, a, I still like can't. $2 see. making that movie, and it was so good. I know. But like, if I still see like a little pile of sticks somewhere, I'm like, <laughs> the, the Blair Witch is here. Oh, <laughs> What's yeah. going on? Yeah. I'm ruined forever. Oh, yeah. For me, yeah. it's that weird that weird thing of someone standing in the corner and like slightly, oh, slightly yes. bent over. That was that awful. Creeps me out to this day. Isn't that I'm how it turning ended? Turning around and leaving that room immediately. Yes, I'm it not was searching like such for a traps. Weird pose. <laughs> I'm getting oh, the yeah. fuck out. <laughs> That's a good thing to add into a D and D. You walk into a room. There's four people in each corner, standing in the corner, <laughs> facing the. Oh, that's corner. so great. What do you yes, do? <laughs> I mean, these are good story hooks. So, like, it's not like I mean. There's just people standing in the court. Maybe they're checking for leaks. <laughs> Maybe they're dead. You don't know. Like, what do you do here? Like, it, it's Maybe just something dead. so um, just innocuous. But, but close the door. Tiptoe. Time to leave. Uh, so that burn the cabin to the ground. Yeah, right. Snook it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Um, so that podcast that you're working on is called Gray Rooms, right? Yes, the gray rooms, and that's mm-hmm. a, that people can check it out right now. It's 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 on mm-hmm. the RSS feed somewhere. Yep, absolutely, awesome, cool. Okay, and that sounds like one you definitely want to start at the beginning. You're not going to just, but it's an anthology, right? So you don't necessarily have to start. You start at the beginning of your season. It's an anthology. Yeah, you. I, I don't. I, you, you might not have to start really at the beginning, but it's it's great. Yeah. Nice. Wanted to. Uh, you're also on the Encounter Party podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did a season of Encounter Party. Uh, I'm not. I'm not with them anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a. I, I did a season of that. It's a. You should definitely check out Encounter Party. It's a great live play podcast. Yeah. So how did that come about? Ithaca. Oh, that's right. They're, they're Ithaca too. Did, were you guys now. there together? Is that how? Or how did you? Did you meet? So there? I actually. I was the eldest of the group, <laughs> and. <laughs> I uh, I graduated before uh, the other guys went to Ithaca, but you know, because of Ithaca, our, we knew of each other's names and da 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 da. And they asked he asked me to to be a part of it, and I was excited to play some D and D. And yeah, oh my god, so we did that's a season awesome. of that. Well, I also played a cleric in that actually. Hmm, that could be it must mean something. Yes, you're <laughs> a, a kind, compassionate person. My clerics are 
always jerks. <laughs> the opposite of what you were just saying, then, Shelly. You just wave those healing potions in their face. Like, oh. Well, I like to play clerics as religious zealots. Yeah. <laughs> just full. That's fun. Full fledged, crazy religious zealot. I do that too because the idea of being a, a, a cleric in my real life feels so like anathema to everything about me. <laughs> and I'm so, an atheist. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And so that's why when I do want to jump into some role that does have something that they feel so strongly about, like it's 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 a great way to exercise those those uh, those thoughts and feelings around other clerics uh in in the real world and just be like no i'm just gonna be what everybody uh you know hates about zealots exactly totally (laughs) i don't know why it just always ends up being like that when i play a cleric yeah did you have i kind of want to play a cleric again right and then you can be the like (laughs) bible thumping like you know uh, brimstone uh, (laughs) uh preacher type of thing uh it can work it can really work yeah there's a potion and a pamphlet yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm basically like knocking on doors. Please, can I tell you about the glory of Kalimvor? Um, <laughs> have you heard the news? Kalimvor is here for you. <laughs> You're all going to be left behind uh, if you don't follow Kalimvor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rapture is coming. Oh, mm. <laughs> but in this case, it's a raptor. It's actually a dinosaur that's going to be attacked. Yeah. And, it, and it's really coming. And it's, like, oh, for yeah. real, guys. It's got the face Let's of Kirk Cameron on it. So. <laughs> I oh, my that. God. <laughs> wow. That's that good. Yeah. <laughs> they could be really fun. But also, you know, you have to be okay with playing an evil character. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Uh, so I, I think I'm generally in in life. I'm a you know a caring, nice, not so evil person. So sometimes when I play D and D, and when I say sometimes, maybe most of the time, <laughs> finding out a lot. My character is like not the sweetest person on planet Earth. Yeah, I I played a character. We were starting a an actual evil campaign. I think. Uh, which didn't really yes. go very far, but uh, one of my favorite <laughs> characters. You can kind of go off the rail in an evil camp. <laughs> it always does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, but the the character I made was a bard, and I made him basically like an evil Jim Broadbent from Moulin Rouge. Uh, and I had <laughs> so much fun playing a really douchey theater producer uh, as, as, a, as a D&D character. It was so fun. <laughs> It works. That's hilarious. Yeah, you would think I would like people think I would play bards all the time because I sing and stuff, but I sing and stuff. So it's not fantasy for you. Yeah, for <laughs> real life. Yeah, yeah. We've talked that. Yeah, we've talked a lot of performers who do. You know, some people really like that aspect of the D and D play, and so they bring uh, that to life. But I, you know, I totally respect going the opposite way too. I mean, like, you know what? That's in my. My day job, and I'm gonna just bash things with a sword uh, in my other endeavors. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to bash something with a sword, right? Yeah, I believe like it a lot. Like a lot of times, gonna, I need that T-shirt. <laughs> uh, I got a great T-shirt over the break uh, that is D and D related, uh, but also 
perhaps a little bit politically related, but it is a dragon horde uh, with a, uh, I think it's a uh, adventurer uh, with a big pole, and it said, uh, redistrib- redistribute wealth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, got, I got on board with that. Nice. <laughs> I'm nice. here for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so you're obviously a very creative person, and so, and you, but you haven't been able to do your craft yeah. in almost a year now. Yeah. Like, I mean, not to like be a buzzkill and bring up bad feelings, <laughs> but like, really, like, what what are you doing? D and D helps with a creative outlet. The Gray Rooms podcast, I'm sure, but. Like, are there yeah, other so, things I mean, to keep your creative energy up? Well, luckily, I've had a few a few things here and there, like D and D, like this podcast, that I've been able to, you know, keep those creative juices flowing. Um, but you know, it's it has been rough. You know, I was I was in the middle of rehearsal for a show here in New York when when uh, we went into quarantine, and. I was very excited to be doing this show. It's such a great show. And I was working with such incredible people and, you know, we're still planning on doing it, but it's, it's just the wait and the yeah. never know, not knowing when it will be possible to do it again. And it's not, I mean, like the whole, my whole industry, everyone I know is struggling right now. These are hard times. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the theater world in particular uh, in New York, not even, I mean, cause Broadway, Probably will bounce back a little bit faster. Uh, probably, I'm I'm saying that with a huge caveat. I have no idea, but um, for me, I'm thinking about the the off Broadway and the smaller theater groups that you know kind of are the the lifeblood of of that community in the city. They're, you know, they're not fundraising right now. They're not able to kind of get even the resources going. So even if magically audiences are able to go into theaters without risk of, uh, of spreading any disease, it's going to take many months before it gets up to, you know, the, the preparation, everything that was happening. Right. Yeah. It's, it, you know, theater right now is in a very tough place. Yeah. There's the, you know, they, theater companies haven't been able to make any money for a year and, you know, there's a lot of overhead with these with these places. There's the space. There's their staff. There's there's a lot of stuff going on, and lots of theaters have had to lay off their staff. And yeah, it's it's scary. The the theater that I'm um, that I was working with and still am waiting to do this show with. They're, they're called Classic Stage Company, um, and they're in the city. They do. Um, new and fun takes on on classical theater and uh they they've been around for a while and they're they're great but they've they launched a a campaign called coming back stronger mm. and um you should go to their website and check it out that's cool and contribute if you can because they're yeah. an incredible 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 theater in new york city that deserves to be here after all of this. Absolutely. And that, and that's a theater coming. I, I worked there uh, as a carpenter back in the day in 2000, 2001. Fondly remember, uh, you know, getting a coffee roll and a small coffee on the way after the the, the First Avenue uh, L train stop and working all day, putting the sets on together there. And uh, it's those people that were doing that hustle at theaters all over, you know, Manhattan and, and, and the boroughs those people are not earning any money either. Like it's all the 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 the, yeah. the smaller, just contractor type level of of theater professionals that are hurting 
really, really hard right now, in addition to the performers and, and all this stuff. So yeah. I really loved that there was a there was a special on Hulu or was it or was it NBC that did uh I'm forgetting the name of it, but um Tina Fey uh hosted it and it was all these theater professionals oh, able to, to That's right, yeah. To actually do their craft out on the streets without masks so that it was like at least a little bit more safe. Um, and I really appreciated that. I'm like, oh gosh, we should do more of this. And 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 it sounds yeah. like this uh, uh, classic stage company program is is along those lines, right? Yeah, I mean, they the I think every theater right now is trying their best to like just kind of hold on. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's what you know. The the coming back stronger campaign is is about holding on and 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 looking forward to the future of theater in New York and and really the the whole country and the world like theaters kind of can't be done right now if if numbers are passed a certain level which they are throughout most of the world right now <laughs> have so. you seen anybody um do like zoom performances i've i've seen that be a thing at least yeah. at least it's, and it's not really you know, can't really sell tickets or 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 make a lot of money from it um but at least at least a way to do readings and things like that to get kind of preparatory work. Have you have you participated in anything like that? Yeah, I've done some Zoom uh, readings and concerts. I actually just recorded a song for a Zoom concert yesterday. Oh, cool! Um, and that's great that that's happening. Um, you know, pe- people need to create. People, yeah. creative people, artists need to need. They, that is something that we need to have. So, I mean, it's not it's not going anywhere. Uh, it's just what is the future of it is the, the question, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've participated in that and it's, it's great that those things are happening. It's not the same. It's not, you know, singing a song to your computer screen is <laughs> very different from yeah. singing it to, to at least one other person, but a room full of people, you know, it's just not, it's not as fulfilling. No, it's not. But I wonder if there's opportunities for experimentation in that genre too you know like i'm and i'm starting to They're see some of it happen they just did um a ratatouille zoom musical oh, or cool. uh or maybe it wasn't zoom it was tiktok the ratatouille tiktok oh. musical oh interesting that's neat and lots of cool people were involved in that and it's yeah it's a great example of people persevering and just getting together and just doing something and it's turned out to be this great thing yeah, I would, I mean, like your podcast, Grey Rooms, kind of, you know, make the radio theater element, the way you were describing it made me think like, and you said, that's like radio theater, but I would, I could see that being huge right now, just because yeah. like, you still get to, you know, participate as a listener in that theatrical experience. And like, you know, it's kind of like D&D where a lot of it takes place in your mind, but you know, you just, you can hear it, you can imagine it, you can feel it, you're... Like, I feel like we should be seeing more of, of that. I want more. Yeah, you know, I just get hungry for storytelling. I just love yeah. storytelling. So, yeah, that is a, a a great way to do it, you know? The problem is monetizing uh, it, sadly. You know, not like everything needs to be monetized, but you can do all that you want for uh, an audience of four or five people watching uh, on a Zoom, <laughs> but, you know, that's not going to... Put food on the table, or you know, support uh, families of these uh, actors and, and theater people that have been doing this for years. It yeah. sure ain't. <laughs> no. But as soon yeah, as we can sell tickets to Zoom <laughs> meetings, 
Well, never there's a way. There's a way. <laughs> there's a way. I mean, like, there are theatrical events happening. Yeah. Um, and really cool ones. I don't know if I can even say the name of what I'm thinking of on here because it's a little body, but... Um, Do it. Just try. And now I, I need it now. <laughs> we got to know. There was this great um, show that was completely done online. Um, it was, it's called Circle Jerk. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it is not pornography. <laughs> uh, but it was wonderful and it was completely done online. These actors wrote it and put it together and did it. Uh it I mean it was it was pretty big. It was featured in lots of lots of places, but um I mean things like that are happening and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 kind of a new art form is coming from all of this. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, just a little bit bring this back to D&D, it does feel like the strides that Dungeons & Dragons has been uh, experiencing over the last five years of the rise of, of streaming games and, and having um, people playing D&D as a form of entertainment, I feel like now we can combine that with like some th- more theater professionals. And I, I wonder if there's, you're right, like I wonder if there's some new art form that can emerge in a cocoon of of quarantine from this, you know? There there are definitely really cool applications for D&D and, you know, theater on the web, uh, for sure. Uh, I think cool stuff could come out of this. Silver linings, I guess. Yeah, right? (laughs) That's a challenge to everyone out there listening uh, and or watching. Uh, Figure out ways to make this happen, and I'm I'm pretty sure you've got a performer here who might be interested in doing it. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Oh, I was talking about Shelly, but also Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) He's busy with the D&D musical. I'm available, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after the, you know, participating in in Counterparty, are you... Do you have any desires or plans or thoughts about maybe doing some more streaming or uh, more? DVD I totally would. I, you know, the Encounter Party was was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I mean, I just love playing D anD D, so yeah, I would I would love you to do, do something like that camera, again, off camera, whatever. Totally. Okay. Cool. Well, let's see it. Let's yeah. see. We'll make it happen for sure. Um. Yeah, I feel like we we touched on all the fun. fun oh my god! What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally me. I turn people into. I, I I'm very proud of myself. I, I except for saying circle jerk. I haven't cursed this entire time, but I really feel like I just put that energy. I was like shooting it out. I'm get I don't an think F-bomb I've ever done that on mic before. <laughs> I want one f bomb, and I knew I would get it. He cursed you. It's the warlock. It's Morgana. I, I cursed you. Yeah, Morgana Vexus said, "Because oh your response to it, you actually like touched your mouth like it. You felt it come out. You're like, oh, oh, what God. is that? What it is had weight to it. Whoops." Uh, but this has been beautiful. fun, and uh, I'm so glad that we get to talk. own it. Okay. I'm on it. We're gonna we're Woo. gonna bleep bleep the shit out of that. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on here and cursing me with a foul oh mouth. Uh, cursing with cursing. Yeah, I I loved it. It's always great to talk to someone with an Ithaca connection uh, as I well know. as in the theater. <laughs> oh yes. 
Absolutely. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you're the best. Um, that if, was great. If people want to get in touch uh, or, or at least find out what you're doing and follow along uh, with uh, some fun stuff in your career, what's the best way for them to do that, Eddie? I am on Twitter at Mr. Eddie Cooper. Uh, that's, that's, it. that's it. That's probably the best way. Yeah. Nice. My, my, my backstage is... Uh, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Mr. Eddie Cooper. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, here's hoping 2021 gets a little bit better uh, incrementally yeah. along the way. Uh, it, can only, it can only get better for sure. And so yes. I, and not only just for the world, but for the theater and uh, New York City specifically, uh, we're, all, we're all rooting yeah. for you. Let's get you, you back on you. stage. That's right. Yes, yes. Do this. Bye, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> what a fascinating conversation. I love, as always, talking to theater people. Uh, they are my people uh, when they it all comes down to it. They are D&D's people, too. It's true. Imagine that. Really yeah. creative, imaginative people who like to take on the role of different people. Exactly. Like D&D. <laughs> Weird. It's a lot of crossover there. Who'd have thunk it? We are uh, going to be excited about Candlekeep Mysteries for, for many, many weeks to come, but you should check out all that you can, and the coverage has been uh, effusive so far. So there's a lot to look at. Uh, and you can always find out more on uh, social media, uh, D&D has got a couple of options for you to check that out. Wizards underscore D&D on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, follow us on Facebook. If you want to get uh, some bi-monthly awesomeness delivered to your phone, you can subscribe uh, and or download Dragon Plus. Get all the content there. You can also look at that same content on dragonmag.com. As Shelly mentioned earlier, one of my short story uh, that is also a mystery is on there from the issue back in uh, September or October. Check it out. And uh, there'll be more Dragon Plus issues coming soon. So look for that as well as tons of previews for Candle Keep Mysteries in that issue. Yes. There'll right? in fact be a really big uh, spotlight in the next issue of Dragon Plus, which is coming out in just a matter of weeks about more about the Candle Keep Mysteries itself and Candlekeep, and the contributors. So definitely download that issue. Do, Do it. it. Do it now. Um, DungeonsandDragons.com is always a good portal for you to learn more, uh, but I want to make sure to highlight the Discord channel for Dungeons & Dragons as a way to meet up, talk to other fans, maybe even uh, you know meet some people that you want to play a game with, maybe... Get some plans together for Candlekeep Mysteries uh, and do a little one-shot together. That's what the Discord channel is all about, and there's lots of people in there exchanging ideas and uh, telling stories with each other, so it's a great place to meet, especially as we're still in the throes of uh, a quarantine. Um, you know, Those kind of online meeting places are, are more and more important, and uh, people have been taking advantage of them. And then we've got Virtual Play Weekend uh, coming up yeah. very soon. Uh, that is available through the Yawning Portal um, which is, I think, dnd.wizards.yawningportal or, or one of those. Um, and you can find a game online to play with expert dungeon masters uh, in various modes, uh, from family-friendly to uh, using um, other languages other than uh, English uh, in dungeon mastering. There's a lot of options there, and yeah. it's a great way to meet. Different platforms, you like Zoom or Discord or Google Hangouts. There's something for everyone. 
We got something for all of the technophiles out there. Yeah. Go. Give it a try. Have fun. Play Roll some, some dice. And you can do that every month. If this month it doesn't work for you, there's going to be another one every month. Just coming soon. Why? That's right. Because y'all asked for it. Because you loved playing together at D&D Celebration so much. We rolled this one out. It's, it's what we that's do. That's what we do. That's what we do. Speaking of rolling dice, Daryl and Drunky Two Shoes are swimming as fast as they can uh, to escape the clutches of the ship captain that had uh, captured... Daryl Two Shoes and your uh, beefy pirate is helping you escape mm. to his ship. And uh, you had had a few daggers thrown at you, but luckily Drunky was able to dodge out of the way or maybe just the aim was off. Uh, so what do you guys do? You guys are swimming as hard as you can. You got about yes. 15 um, uh, feet before you're at the waterline of the skiff that you are on. Okay. Keep going? I, I mean, we just, yeah, just keep going. Just keep going. I feel like I'm okay. probably dragging Daryl behind me with one arm and come on, come on. Yes, I still be- can't believe he's here. And because you're a kitty, uh, you need to make a, uh, a athletics check um, to Do see how, how you're doing uh, here in swimming, especially as you're trying to go as fast as believe you can. Believe it or not, I rolled a 15. I have no nice. bonus, but I did a 15. Adrenaline 15 is, man what you is surging through me right now. Daryl got a 10. Uh, he also doesn't have a bonus, so he is lagging behind. He's like, <coughs> uh-uh. I need a drink. I feel that. There's booze <laughs> on the boat, Daryl. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I go uh, back so and if, if I'm kind of helping and dragging him along. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, you're able to kind of you know uh, make sure you know pull him up by the scruff of his neck and and uh, get above water and stop sputtering as much as he is. But you make it to the waterline on the ship, and a couple more arrows shoot your way f-dunk, f-dunk, as uh, they found some short bows. Uh, and so uh, two more ones coming at uh, you, Shelley. Um, that is a 15. Does that hit your AC? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. You take three points of damage as an arrow uh, gets into your tail. Oh, ow. And uh, one of them tries to shoot at Daryl, but it hits the, the ship right above his head. Uh, and kind of stinks in there. And uh, and he actually starts using that up to start pulling, climbing himself up. And you see him scrabble up the ship. What do you do as you take damage from this arrow? Nothing. I just, I don't even feel it. Whatevs. I just keep, am I, on, am I climbing up the boat now? That's what I'm asking. You want to climb up as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to climb up the boat. Okay. Uh, so you uh, scrabble up there and your uh, uh, pirate friend uh, does as well. And now you're on the boat. Uh, there's one other sailor who stayed on board and he's looking a little bit like, now what do we do? Uh, as good, he looks dude. at two uh, tabaxi, completely waterlogged, their hair um, no longer standing up and giving them a lot of definition. They look like two drowned cats, uh, you do. And uh, your, your big, beefy, uh, blonde, blue-eyed friend uh, kind of looks at you and uh, says, all right, now what? Let's go. Let's go. Arrows get out of here. Stream by we gotta get uh, out of here. as well. He's like, all right, Captain. And uh, he grabs the, the, the till, and uh, you start uh, seeing the sails move, and you're moving away from the other boat. Yay! Yay! I don't know where we're 
we're going. I don't care. I just want to get away from that boat. Makes sense. You guys are now I'm pirates uh, in control of your own boat on the open seas of the Sword Coast. We'll see where you take it from here. Okay. Bum, bum, Wherever bum. the wind takes us, I guess. I like it. All right. That's been awesome. Thank you. See you guys next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.